Please be seated. Let us read responsibly from Psalm 104. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. gospel this morning, we hear the story of the raising of Lazarus, and in solidarity with Mary and Martha and those who gather at that tomb to mourn, I invite you to be seated and hear the reading this day uh, alongside those for whom it was most real. The Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was the one who was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the son of man may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you and are you going there again? Jesus answered them, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world, but those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them about their brother. 
When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed in the home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling to you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit. And deeply moved. He said to her. Where have you laid him? They said to him. Lord come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said. See how he loved him. But some of them said. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man. Have kept this man from dying. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said to them, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd that is standing here so that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face Wrapped in a cloth. And so Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. People of God, this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So, what do we think about this reading? Other than it's long. When was the last time you heard this or read it? Five minutes ago, right, yeah. 
I see you, Fran. Don't think you can hide. <laughs> Five minutes ago. That's good. This is one of those texts that I like to use um, at funerals, um, particularly as, as some of the local funeral homes have, have called and, and they're looking for a pastor for a family that has none. Um, for good reason. Even though it does cover the majority of, of John chapter 11, you can see the way that grief and death and family and hope all bind themselves together in these moments of deep pain and heartache and loss. And it starts long before Jesus ever gets to Bethany. Uh, after hearing news of, of Lazarus's illness uh, and, and deciding to stay there for a few more days, not to, to go and join the family there, um, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, let us go to Judea again. And what the disciples say is something along the lines of, well, Lord, they were just trying to stone you and you want to go back? Um, that's actually, you know, a very brief way of reminding us that uh, Jesus and his entourage have been threatened with death multiple times in the land of Judea. Each time narrowly escaping because of the generosity of some in the crowd who look to Jesus and hear his teachings and say, but, but how can this come from a demon? How can this come from someone who doesn't follow the God of our ancestors? He must be Messiah. He must be important. But apparently the disciples recognize that at this point in time, their luck's about to run out. They're being pressed beyond their comfort. The disciples look ahead of them and they are scared because they see their own demise in front of them. And they know that they can't stave it off for much longer. And in fact, after the events of today's reading, uh, within the next week, Jesus will make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and encounter what we call Holy Week, culminating in his own death the scattering of his disciples. And yes, the hope of Easter. But they don't know that yet. And so they see Bethany, they see Judea, and it is not a place where they want to be. And yet, for some reason, only by the grace of God, I can guess, one of them stands up and says to the others, Let's go with him, that we can die with him too. Interesting enough that that comes from Thomas, the one we call the doubter. Thomas, the one who rallies the rest and speaks decisively about what our life of discipleship looks like in the face of hardship, even death itself. Thomas's faith is arguably stronger 
than the rest, willing to face certain death to follow Jesus where he decides we should go. kind of faith is that to say let's go that we can die with him and who is he talking about is he talking about jesus or is he talking about lazarus oh that's fun Ah. all the bugs in the system there's something about this that speaks to us even today because we see ourselves in the place of the disciples wrestling with what this faith might mean that we follow Jesus to death. But we're coming back to that because Jesus goes and finds his way on into Bethany and Martha runs out to meet him and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. In that there is a, a, a rebuke of Jesus. Why weren't you here? But there's also a lament. Because we can't bring him back from this death. That's nothing we can change. Why would one who is loved and held dear in Jesus suffer the grave? It's a question I think we ask ourselves often. You know what? How how many of you are feeling that right now in one way, shape or another? Lord, if you had been here, we wouldn't be experiencing this death. Anyone? The interesting thing about Martha, right? We hear from Luke's gospel that uh, she's busy in the kitchen while Mary sits at the feet of the teacher. But Martha's the one here who offers a word of faith. I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. I know that my brother will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know and I believe what you say, Jesus, that you are the resurrection and the life, that those who believe in you, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in you, that person will never die. I believe these things in the face of this death. believe you're the one coming into the world to fix all this stuff. And then comes Mary. Mary doesn't have the time for that sentiment. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Period. End of story. Where were you? And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was Greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Something has rattled Jesus. And in the persistent face of his own death, 
at the hands of others. He didn't miss a beat with that stuff. Something here is different. Jesus is moved to his core by the reality of death, which disturbs those whom he loves dearly. Death itself doesn't startle Jesus, and and neither should it startle us, but death's consequence. Separation from one another. The disruption of our relationships. the, The body's visceral reaction to this thing that is ultimately unnatural. That, that's what shakes Jesus. And so Jesus does an interesting thing. Where have you laid him? Jesus doesn't take this moment to reassure Mary that Lazarus is in a better place or trivialize the raw emotion that Mary and the mourners express. Jesus also doesn't lecture them about some perceived lack of faith. Martha was the one who opened the door to that conversation, which Jesus affirms to her where she is, as she is. But Mary and the mourners, they're not there yet. And they don't need an altar call as their bodies are numb with sorrow. Jesus instead asks, where have you laid him? Because Jesus is concerned about the body. The body that he came to save. And so they said to him, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. It's an invitation turned on its head, right? Throughout John's gospel this year, we've been hearing this call to come and see as an, as an invitation to discipleship. Can anything good from Nazareth? Come and see. Who is it that, that healed you, that wiped away your blindness and made it where you can see? Well, come and see. Which ultimately leads us to the place of Thomas, right? Someone who has responded to that invitation and and expresses a willingness to follow Jesus to his death and to ours. So that that invitation might be reversed. To invite the resurrection promise and the life of Jesus to enter into the places of our own death and sorrow. Come and see Jesus where this world is hurt. Come and see Jesus where we are grieving and weeping. Come and see Jesus where death is. How many of us would invite others to the site of our own death? The place of our inmost grief, our most raw Vulnerable pain. If we don't open ourselves up to allow others into that space, 
How can we expect Jesus to enter in there and offer his life-giving promise of resurrection life? So then they come to the tomb and saw that it was a cave with a stone laying in front of it. And he says, take it away, open it up. Martha comes back around and says, but Lord, there's already a stench because he's been in there for four days. Jesus says an interesting thing to her. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Martha's baseline faith has been established. She says she believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world, the resurrection and the life. She believes that that whoever believes in Jesus will live, even in spite of death. And I believe that you and I would all say the same. We believe this. That's why we're here celebrating a mini Easter each and every Sunday. Jesus' comment is essentially telling Martha that she should put her money where her mouth is. If you believe this, let that belief come practice. Pull the stone back. Expose yourself to to the stench. See the morbidity and the reality of death and enter into that space. That space where where resurrection demands to happen. Because we can say we believe it all day long, but if it doesn't move us closer and closer to the places of death where resurrection is most needed, it's not really a living faith. It's a dead one, buried in the same tomb alongside Lazarus. It's a living faith that calls Thomas to stand up and say, let us go that we might die with him. It's a living faith that that let Martha say, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But even still, you can give some life. It's a living faith that leads Jesus off to the tomb and lets him weep alongside them. Don't be afraid to come face to face with the death that consumes even Jesus because we are no better than him. And it's only in that space where we can hear and encounter a promise that is made reality. Lazarus, come out. Because we can comfort the grieving with a reminder of the faith that sustains us all. We can surround people with our presence like these mourners, ready at a moment's notice to provide whatever it is they may need. Or we ourselves can just break down and sob and join them in the sorrow as we ourselves weep. But only Jesus can speak to the dead and expect a reply. 
So it's almost a, a, a funny image. Lazarus bound hand and foot, hopping out of this tomb in burial clothes to a crowd of people who have mourned him for four days as he's laid in this tomb. And now the world's turned upside down. That image that was up there before we've had some signal issues is an icon of the raising of Lazarus. And what you see or saw is just that. The image of a man bound head to toe in burial cloths with onlookers gazing in surprise that death has been overcome, that that the weeping and the sorrow and the grief that has been so profoundly real has now been overcome. And exists now side by side with the joy that life is present. And so Jesus does what everyone else is probably standing there thinking. And tells whoever's close by, unbind him and let him go. That place doesn't hold him anymore. Enter into that place of death so that you will no longer be confined to it. Listen to the command of Jesus and be let loose on this world without anything to hold you back. That's the beauty of trusting in this resurrection promise of Jesus that gathers us together. That promise leads us all through the many spaces of this text. Through the fear, through the the grief, the sorrow, the pain, the anger, the lament, and even death itself. That's what this gift does. And it makes all the other stuff seem so insignificant. Because what I see when I look at this text is the realization that God's not done with us, with any of us. And that starts here and now. What I see when I look at this text is the reminder that a, a faith that says, yes, Lord, I believe is moved into those places of death where resurrection demands to come to light because we're not doing it right. We're not doing any of this right. If we aren't moved by the brokenness and the death in this world in the same manner as Jesus who weeps for his own people. And we're not doing it right any of this if we also don't allow ourselves to be liberated from the things which hold us back from experiencing the life and the joy of Jesus
Each and every Sunday we celebrate a mini Easter. And Mary and Martha and the mourners and the disciples and Lazarus had no clue that this sign of God's love for the world, miraculous as it is, is just a taste, a small, small taste of what God is planning to do. How much more do we know that more is yet to come? Amen.